Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. From the Friday Night Drive, I'm Michael Dwojak here with the record North Shore founding member, Joe Coglin. We've got a victory uh, Wednesday as uh, we've got a lot of good stuff to talk about. All three of our local football teams won, so uh, a big, uh, big moment for them and getting a lot of different wins there. So um, we'll talk about those wins. Uh, we'll hear from Jackson McCary in the second quarter. In the third quarter, we play our weekly game of way or no way. And then in the fourth quarter, we preview week six of the football season. Um, yeah, the temperatures are getting lower, um, obviously. So uh, the times are changing really quick. And that means we are heading down uh, into the stretch of the final a uh, few games of the football season. So we've got more and more important games to look forward to. But just a quick reminder before we get started that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Android, everywhere else you're listening to podcasts. Let us know if we're not there. We'll like to add our podcast there and we can uh, make sure everyone is listening to the great content that we're putting out each and every week. Always appreciate everybody's feedback and uh, positive comments. So um, let's get on over here and start things off. Um, big wins all around the board, Joe. So why don't we start things off with uh, Nutrier, um, who uh, was able to uh, pick up a big win against uh, their rivals, um, Evanston, uh, 17 to 10 win on Friday in Northfield. Um, there were some questions into this game, Joe, just what kind of Nutria team we were going to see. Um, and it seems like, you know, Nutria was able to kind of, you know, take its next step, um, sort of in a way where you saw better play from them and you saw them kind of take advantage of different moments to take, uh, um, take a, their conference opening win. Yeah, I think uh, I heard that they used our our score predictions as uh, locker locker material, um, as we both thought Evanston would win. And I think we had reason to with Evanston kind of scoring a lot of points so far this year and Nutrier being uh, lit up on the scoreboard a couple times um, by opposing offenses. So we didn't really trust that defense yet. And they proved us wrong. I think it was a, a big step for that defense with in front of their home crowd. Um, rivalry game to hold Evanston to 10 points. Um, Evanston tried to run the ball a lot um, and they got plays here and there. They gained decent yardage, but uh, Nutria was able to stop them a lot on third and fourth downs. And that was the key to victory. Um, I think Nutria's offense is starting to come around, but it's still not dynamic in the fact that it's going to score a lot. So it needs that defense and it showed up on uh, Friday night. Yeah, I think we were able to see a lot of cool you know, good stuff from different players who are able to kind of step up in the moment and um, make the most of what they're able to do. Um, sophomore kicker Niki uh, Dugantic put Nutrier up late in the first quarter with the 47-yard field goal. Um, you know, set up after a 41-yard 41 41 drive um, that just took four plays. So Nutrier showing early that it was able to move the ball up. Um, and then you saw, you know, and again, uh, or Patrick Hennigan and Miles Kermoscoli kind of get it going. Um, They're making a big impact in the game, Joe, um, connecting on a 91-yard uh, touchdown uh, to give the Trevians a 10-0 lead. Um, he finished the season, uh, Hennigan did, with 211 passing yards. And that's kind of what we kind of been looking for, just, you know, that growth and that connection that the two have been able to make, especially for um, how talented they both are. 
Um, it was pretty much just when, not if, it seemed like for these two guys. Yeah, especially, you know, Kremaskoli is one of the best receivers in, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not afraid to say at least he's on the rise in the state this year. He's, uh, he's a junior, but he's, uh, his skill set is uh, pretty elite at this moment, and he's only going to get better in terms of uh, the technical skills at the position. Um, so Hennigan just needs to get comfortable finding him in spots, and those two need to work together. Um, they've already got a strong relationship, uh, but on when it'll work, when it won't for certain plays and, um, you know, the situations that are right. And they found it a little bit on some long plays. Uh, they had a long one against Palatine, even though in that loss, I think that was 80 plus. And this one was about 90, 91 yards on a, a post route right up the seam. Um, and, uh, it was beautiful. Um, and that got the crowd going and it was big for that team. You know, it was funny. I actually, that Friday morning we had our charity golf outing for the record. Um, and both, both Kremaskoli's dad and Hennigan's dad, uh, Brian and Mike respectively were at that. So we were talking about the game a little bit and they were confident. They seemed to be uh, maybe ahead of us a little bit in terms of uh, Nutria's growth. Um, and uh, those two's connection, I think uh, Hennigan and, and Kremaskoli um, goes beyond a little bit the, the field. I think they're buddies and uh, that relationship is going to grow. And we saw it right there with that 91 yarder. Yeah, and Kremaskoli was able to get the um, interception that ended the Wildcats' hopes for a comeback um, with the interception on the game's final play. How big was it for the defense? You know, just to, you know, we've talked about this defense and how young it is and how inexperienced it is and it hasn't, it's gone through, gone through its uh, growing pain so far this season. But how big was it for, you know, for the defense to not, to bend but not break? I know that's a cliche phrase a lot of coaches like to use, but how big was it just to see that the defense was able to hold on um, and, uh, you know, not let Evanston at least tie the game. Yeah. I mean, it's huge. It, it's, it's a, it's a whole unit effort to do things like that, to respond from, uh, you know, getting, getting worked by Stevenson on the passing game. And also, you know, Palatine's really good. And so is Hersey, but they took care of business against that defense. Um, and so to respond against Evanston and, uh, I, you know, they got their full defense back and they moved some things around in secondary. They got Kremaskoli now playing in secondary. They got Jackson McCary back from injury. He's playing both ways. Um, and uh, so, and, and he's looked good. I think they look tighter there in the secondary and then their tackling's better in the front level in the, in the first two levels um, with the addition, Jaden Salazar's back on the D line to go with, uh, to go with Ty Stringer, the all conference junior. Uh, and then the other guys are just getting experience. Tyler Jackson has been, uh, he's, he's, he's working in on the linebacking core and he's been doing a great job at uh, meeting the ball at a point of attack and uh, making tackles. So um, I think that defense is growing, they're learning and they're learning to work together so I think, you know, they, they're going to put up a formidable um, front with these uh, remaining games in the CSL South. Yeah, I think it should be really interesting to see what we'll talk about that momentum and what that means moving forward. And um, we'll hear from Jackson in the second quarter. So we'll get more uh, of your fill for Nutria football. But why don't we move on over now and uh, talk about Highland Park, who um, picked up a very uh, big um, you know, win uh, to uh, start off their conference play. Um, we had some questions about how big they would be able to win or, you know, what kind of game we would have here. And um, they just can controlled the side pretty much from the beginning of the game, winning 29 to six um, in Skokie Joe. And um, it seemed like, you know, they knew the importance of winning that first conference game going one and oh to start things off. And uh, they really showed that they really took that to heart and um, are really vying for not only trying to get into the playoffs, but also 
um, trying to compete for a CSL North uh, crown. Yeah, as, as DJ Robinson, their defensive lineman said, uh, they were all hyped for this one, man. Um, they took that pretty hard last year when they lost to Niles North. Um, and, uh, you know, you looking back at it, even though it was early in the season, you can point to that game and say it's a winnable game. That's why we were five and four and not. No, that's why we were four and five and not five and four last year. So they came in with a bit of a chip on their shoulder, uh, ready to uh, take it to um, Niles North. And they did. Niles North couldn't do much of anything on the offensive end. We had a ton of interceptions, uh, a ton of turnovers for Highland Park. In fact, I asked uh, after the game because I missed a little bit of the beginning, you know, how many turnovers did we finish with? And they didn't even know. They couldn't tell me. Um, there was a lot. Um, so we had a lot of picks. We had a lot of tackles for loss. DJ Robinson had six himself. Now count, you know, depending on if their quarterback was scrambling, you could say that was six sacks or um, four sacks and two tackles for loss. Either way, um, they were in the backfield a ton. Um, and then the offense was not as efficient as we've seen it in the past. I thought the running game um, was a little stagnant, uh, you know, they got bailed out a little bit by a long passing play to Nick Bloomer. Um, I think it was 75 yards or so, um, who's been doing that all year. Um, but uh, their defense showed up, so their offense, you know, um, didn't really need to put up a, a 40, 30, or 30 spot. Um, they still put up 29, but uh, their defense was really kind of the standout performer of this, uh, the game. Yeah, Bloomer um, finished with 11 catches for 180 yards, two touchdowns. Um, junior tailback Nico Rosenblum. Um, did a lot of damage in the first half, rushed for 71 yards and routes to 139 total yards on the night. Um, it seemed like the Giants were just able to, you know, um, make the most of their different opportunities. And they were also able to, you know, not really squander those defensive interceptions and turnovers and um, really make the difference. And I feel like that's going to be important as they get into conference play here, Joe, where um, if you want to win conference, if you want to make the playoffs, you need to make the most of your opportunities. And games like Friday show you that Highland Park can do it when they're presented with them. Yeah, and I think it was, you know, we, I just talked about the defense, but they're going to play some tougher offenses here um, and tougher defenses. So maybe low scoring, maybe tougher for them to score. So they're going to have to hold their opponents. I think they proved they can do that. Um, now, they actually did have a couple mistakes on offense, so a couple turnovers um, that, uh, like, like we talked about, um, they didn't, it didn't hurt them because um, they got the ball right back. But uh, you're not going to be able to do that. So maybe they got those jitters out um, um, as we play the Deerfields and the Vernon Hills coming up here. But uh, big win for them. Like I said, we moved to three and two. We got two more wins to cross off here in the CSL. But they want more than that. They want a conference title, and they think they can get it. All right. We'll talk more about the Giants in the fourth quarter as we preview their week six matchup. But let's move on over now to Loyola, who is now 5-0 and after a 41-7 to win. Um, against Fenwick on Saturday. Um, talking with Coach Hollis, like for my notes, Joe, and um, there wasn't really much. I mean, what do you what do you say at this point? I mean, you might not <laughs> from what the offense said. The defense did what the defense I, I mean, I don't know. It feels silly to be like, well, there's nothing to really talk about this 5-0 and team. But at the same time, I mean, I feel like we just haven't seen um, this team – I don't know if tested is the right word. I think St. Xavier was a good test for this team. I think St. Rita and Brother Rice showed CCL um, opponents and gave the Ramblers an opportunity to play um, against teams that are kind of similar to them in size and um, talent. But um, I don't know. It just seems like this Loyola team is just uh, 
hitting on all cylinders. And I don't know whether that means that, I mean, they're going to make easy work of the rest of the regular season and sweep the postseason and win a state championship. By 50 <laughs> games. I don't know if that means that, <laughs> but I mean, looking at the five weeks of this performance, I mean, it's hard to really nitpick on much. I'm sure the coaches can and do every single week, but when you have the offense flying like this and you have the defense competing like the way they have, um, starters haven't even played a full game yet when we're five weeks in. Um, I don't know. It's really interesting to see just what this Rambler team is going to do. And I, I think the biggest question is here when it faces its first big test, probably against Mount Carmel in week nine, how is it going to react after playing so many games where they've just been up big instead of, you know, playing in a close game? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think anything we say in the, it's, it's our job to do so is, is nitpicking, you know, just looking for things that we can even talk about because this team has been dominant and it's so unusual. I think to see <clears throat> a team like Loyola or any team, eight, any big school, any, yeah, big school that are playing other big schools, you know, throw them out Carmel because they've done something very, very similar with their schedule, just dominate their opponents and opponents that are big in the state, talking about Brother Rice's St. Rita's, uh, St. X, one of the best schools in Ohio, uh, best programs uh, perennially, and just beating them without without playing a full game, just not even, not even a need to play all your starters where it's within – we're talking a margin of victory of 34 points. I mean, that's four scores, um, uh, five scores. I'm sorry. Um, so it's, it, they're just way up there right now. Now let's see if, you know, I, I think it, I'm looking for any sort of hiccup or trap game. Uh, they call it, but do we have one? Because uh, Marist is maybe their best opponent to this point. We don't know. They're probably on the same, the same wavelength as a, as a Rita or a brother rice. Um, and then, and then we got, you know, Mount Carmel three weeks down the road. So I think their one hiccup was giving up that 20 point one points against brother rice. They didn't want to do that. They weren't happy with that. Uh, they came back only seven with Fenwick. Um, but they're a better program. So I don't, man, I don't know. They're just, they look just really solid all around. And if they do make a mistake, they can make up for it pretty quickly. Uh, they're just, uh, very dominant. I don't know what to say. Yeah, Jake Sterney uh, finished 15 of 18 passes for 210 yards, four touchdowns. Um, he has 17 touchdowns through five games, through like 12 quarters of work so far this season. That's <laughs> 20 quarters. Um, Spencer Ledbetter finished with 14 receptions, uh, or sorry, he had 14 receptions, was out for an undisclosed reason. Halasek said that he should be okay. Um, so some housekeeping on that front there. Um, but yeah, like we said, it was a full game for the Ramblers. And um, I mean, we'll talk more about their schedule in the fourth quarter and what to look forward to, obviously, with this matchup against Marist. But um, yeah, I don't know. I feel I'm covering both teams, Loyola and Mount Carmel, for um, much of the season. It literally seems like like I have done many times where I've covered Mount Carmel on Friday and I've covered yeah. Loyola on Saturday. And I feel like I'm writing the same recap every single time. Like, I'm writing, like, the, deep, the offense was dynamic. Defense was explosive and stopped everything. So-and-so connected with so-and-so. It was just like, it seems like they're the same story, which like only adds up to the hype of week nine and what that matchup is going to be. But for right now, I, I mean, I agree with you, Joe. Other than Marist, I feel like Loyola hasn't really been tested this year. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens when they are finally tested, um, you know, when they're kind of punched in the mouth and to see how they're reacted as opposed to, um, 
you know, what, I don't know, they've been, I feel like they've kind of been slapped in the mouth maybe by like Brother Rice with 21 points or something like that. But I don't feel like Loyola has truly, um, you know, kind of felt like, oh man, we really need to hit a different year because we might lose or like we need to come back in this. It's kind of always been like, yeah, we've got like a 21 point lead at this point. I think we should be good. Yeah, I think that's um, that's a lot what we see, and I'm sure that's a lot what they feel once they get to that point. But I do feel, and I, I said this, you know, after their first couple wins and maybe even before the season, that they are playing. I mean, we're talking about Loyola Academy here, you know, like you know, best in the state program type type of guys. They they got the resume, all these guys. Some are going to, you know, Brooks Bar is going to Michigan, other D1 talents, and they still have a bit of a chip on their shoulder because they didn't win state last year. Um and I think that they just want to come out here and prove that uh, no one can even stop them. I think they take every score personally. Uh, I think they take every big chunk play personally. Um, so I think they play with this edge that's going to be hard for any team, even if they get maybe uh, a slight advantage here on like a first drive or, or you know, Loyola makes a turnover to parlay that in the more because Loyola comes right back at you. They don't sit on their heels. Uh, it's been impressive to watch. Yeah, we'll talk more about that Marist game um, in the fourth quarter as we preview week six. But why don't we move on over now to the second quarter where we are joined by Jackson McCary, who had a big game for Nutrier in the Trebians win over the Wildcats on Friday. Joe, what are the folks at home going to hear from Jackson? Yeah, Jackson's going to talk about um, being back at running back. Um, he, he returned two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, he played just the uh, on the defensive side of the ball, so he got his first carries of the year. He was a, uh, a co-starter last year with, I think he had like five scores and 500 yards. Um, so he's in the lead back this. Let's see if he can uh, kind of keep things rolling, but he talks about just being back on offense. All right, let's take a listen. First game back, Jackson, uh, on offense, obviously, you got in on defense last yeah. week, scoring, touchdown, getting in the end zone. What was that feeling like for you when you scored that? Yeah, it was, it was just awesome. I've been waiting for that. I had a tough injury at the beginning of the season. I was just waiting for my moment to come back and make a big play to help the team. And I'm just so happy with this Evanston, one of the longest rivalries. I'm just so happy it happened. Yeah, and then a win like tonight yeah. with a group after a little bit of a slow start, you guys come back, yep. beat Evanston, close game like this. What, what's that feeling like? There's nothing like it. I mean, <laughs> We've been we've been talking about this game all year. This is our biggest game of the year, and to come out here and to beat them, to make that margin a little closer, it's just it's a great feeling. Yeah. Did I know you were on the team last year? Big part of the group last year was last year in your mind a little bit. Last uh, kind of what happened against Evanston last year. I just year. knew we had to come back and make a statement. Yeah. Losing is always something against Evanston, especially last year. I just knew we had to come back and fight as hard as we could and come out with the win. Yeah. And, Got in a, a little bit on defense as well tonight, Jackson. Uh, one of the guys that's, that's one of the few guys on the team that's both sides. What's that mean to you, being one of the few guys that plays both sides of the ball for the team? I just love being able to help my team every aspect I can. I go out there and just hurt, encourage the team. I'm safety. I love making picks. Last week I had a pick and it was awesome. Just when the team comes together and we have a bunch of boys that are playing double sides, it's awesome we have multiple guys can do that. And then seeing the defense close things out tonight, um, you know, had kind of been uh, a few struggles early on in the yeah. year, but then coming tonight in the defense, big turnovers, big stops on fourth down, and then obviously the, the game-ending interception. Yeah. What was that like for you guys as a team, just seeing the defense come out and just, just shut it down? The first two weeks were tough. first two weeks were tough. But we come out here the past two games, we have six interceptions. We just, we just, we've come together so well, and we're working as a team. 
it's just it's awesome to see the ball coming together it's like a brotherhood yeah absolutely thank you jackson appreciate thank it thank you so much again Thanks so much for joining us, Jackson. And thank you, as always, to all the players and coaches who join us each and every week. Always appreciate everybody's insight. Um, so let's move on over now to the third quarter, where we play our weekly game of Way or No Way. It involves five propositions that I throw out there. Joe and I argue or agree that those things will happen. Way or No Way, they will not happen. We're going to start off with golf, since we have golf playoffs officially starting today on Wednesday. Um, recording this on Wednesday. Um, regionals are starting up in the area and in the state. So way or no way, Joe, that New Trier will not win its sectional in the upcoming week. I'm sorry, boys or girls? Oh, sorry, I didn't say which one. Uh, girls. I think there's a way, I think, but I think they will. Way. I, was, I will, wait, did you know? You always phrase it with the double negative that, that gets That they me. will lose the sectional. I'll say I'll say no way. I, I think they will win it, but it's no easy road. You know, we got, I, I, there's some tough golf teams here. I think Glenbrook North beat them in the, um, in a recent tournament. Uh, was it conference? I think it was conference. Yeah. conference. I, yeah. I don't know if they're in the exact same regional or, or sectional. Are they, they gotta be. Yeah. I would think they're in the same sectional. So uh, that right there, but I do think they'll win. I think they have um, some low scores coming uh, aside from Amy Bean Blossom. Um, so it'll be a good one. Um, I'll just, uh, I think it's going to be a close at the top of the leaderboard. And I'll just give them the edge for fun. Even the regional might be tough because they are in the same regional as uh, DBS, GBN. Loyola is also in their regional. It's going to be good. A lot of good action there. and should be really interesting to see. Um, I think I'm going to say, um, I don't know. This is tough. I don't want to be negative and all that kind of stuff. But I think there's a chance. I think, I think there's a um there's a chance that they might not win that sectional so i think way yeah there's a chance they may not win that sectional just based on the competition they play in the regional action so far so yeah um this team is really good and will advance a lot of golfers and all that kind of stuff but i do think that there's a chance just based on the competition that they play early on and it's kind of one of those things where you're kind of playing like other state qualifiers in your regional and it's like well how's that fair and we can get into ihsa and all that kind of stuff (laughs) moving forward but um, yeah, I think it's definitely a way that there's a chance for it. All right, way or no, Joe, that Loyola Boys Golf will win its sectional in the coming week. And again, uh, similar things to the girls sectional. This is a very good um, sectional. It's, it's a lot of state caliber teams. Um, now, will they have the scores low enough? I think. I think the top three advance, and then we get maybe some um, an at-large component to it. But I'll say I'll say no way. I'll say uh, maybe Nutrier takes it. Maybe another local team takes it. Um, even though Loyola is going really low, as we saw as the conference meet, super low. Um, I think Nutrier's got some stuff in them. I'm going to go with the way. I'm going to disagree with you again. I think that they nice. uh, are riding high with the uh, riding low, I should say, I guess, for golf purposes, but <laughs> um, with uh, their scores right now. And I think that's why you need momentum. I mean, obviously I know golf is um, we've both been there playing golf. One day you're feeling great. You're driving great. The other day you're not because it's 50 degrees outside and the wind is blowing and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of changes things up when you're playing in 70 degree weather versus 50 degree weather. But um, I think way, I think that they're riding low right now. And I think they're going to win the sectional um, way or no way. Joe North Shore country day boys soccer is off to a hot start winning uh, um, the body armor tournament, at least their harsh portion of it uh, recently. 
Um, we are in no way that uh, North Shore Country Day will finish the season under uh, the regular season before heading into the playoffs. Ooh, well, we're getting down to it already, and they're in um, they're in a lower class, so they'll start their postseason a little bit earlier. Um, I think we're coming up here in a couple weeks um, now. I believe they've beaten everybody in their conference so far. Um, they, they got 15 wins here. They're 15, 0 and one or two. Um, I'll say way. Um, I say they go into the, the postseason undefeated. Well, where the, if things go well, they'll play some different teams. Um, but uh, I'll say way. Yeah, I think I'll go way with you as well. They've got games um, against Francis W. Parker, Lyle, Francis W. Parker again. Um, uh, to, uh, you know, start things off or to finish things off, I should say. So, um, yeah, I think definitely um, there's definitely a chance way that they can finish off the regular season um, undefeated just with the way that they've been able to play um, throughout the season. And this should make for a really fun um, postseason run. All right, Joe, Nutria Boys Soccer tied with Glenbrook South um, last week. Way or no way that tie hurts their chances of winning the CSL South? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's not a win, so they don't get the points for that. I guess it hurts so way, but um, there's good teams in the CSL South, uh, as we've seen. Um, they've picked up the victories, and they're still – I believe they still only have one loss overall, and that was in um, – what was that, the Northside Challenge, it's called? Anyway, yeah. um, but they have a lot of ties. They have a, a few ties here, um, but they're still undefeated, so I think they're going to be hard to catch. Uh, man, undefeated in conference. Hard to catch, and uh, – I guess we'll see, but it's a, it's a good team. I think in the playoffs, um, they just need to figure out how to uh, get that extra goal uh, or stop um, the first goal for the other team. But uh, this is a team that can really respond. Uh, so I, I'm not, I'm not down on their chance. I'll say way. Yeah. I, th I think no way it won't hurt their chances. I just think with the way the new has been playing, I think they should be able to hold, hold on against, I think that Evanston win was a big win there. Um, and I think they should be able to hold serve against GBN and um, compete well. So I think, yeah, definitely um, there's definitely a chance that, or no way there's no chance that it'll really affect um, what they're able to do um, moving forward in the CSL South. Final way or no way, Joe, way or no way that Loyola girls volleyball is in good position to uh, finish off the regular season with a, or a conference championship. tonight or last night uh last night what was the score do you know did you see i didn't get the results yet let me let's see. find that out because that's it uh macaulay's one of the best teams in the state so i'm leaning no way i think they are maybe a step behind macaulay at this point yeah they lost to macaulay in two sets yeah macaulay's very good so it looks like macaulay who's won the conference for about um, a millennia are going to take uh, it once again. Um, they're a nationally ranked team. So I'll say uh, no way they will not win coverage. Yeah, I'll go agree with you. No way as well. I know Montini is a tough team as well, but losing the way they did to Mother Macaulay kind of takes away the chances of winning a conference championship unless somehow Mother Macaulay, um, you know, drops something or um, goes it wrong way in the its remaining uh, schedule. But um, yeah, no way. I I think uh, um, Loyola can finish a close second, but I don't think that they uh, will win their conference championship. All right, that is way or no way, folks. Let's move on over to the fourth quarter where we preview week six of football action. Um, we're really getting into it now, colder nights and um, 
better football. I mean, at this point, you're just kind of getting deeper into conference play right now. So um, let's start things off, Joe, with Nutrier at GBN. GBN two and three right now with loss. They lost to Maine South 43 to nothing. Um, lost to Rolling Meadows 17 to 14. Uh, lost to Conan's 42 to three. Um, so I feel like just based on what we know about GBN, smallest team probably in the CSL South, and um, what we saw from Nutrier last week in uh, their win over Evanston, I think that this might be a matchup that kind of works in Nutrier's favor um, and kind of gives them another opportunity to grow. Yeah, and I think it comes at a good time. I think you're exactly right. Building off the past two wins against Fremd, who uh, they outclassed a little bit, then Evanston kind of equal to, but showed more growth. I think they have another chance here to grow. And even though they're not at their maybe fully formed uh, status yet, that they're going to need against GBS and against um, Maine South down the road, they get another chance here to grow and maybe a little more margin for error um, than they would against like a Maine South, for instance. So uh, I think it's a good spot for them. I think they're riding high. I think they're confident. I think they're the things that you need to win high school football games are getting better for them. Their defensive line and tackling and their offensive line They're, you know, they still need work in uh, protecting uh, Patrick Hennigan and also creating running lanes, but they got another running back back Their Their offensive linemen who are young are getting more experience. Um, so I do think that uh, this comes at a good time. And I think they, uh, they also have the advantage here. Yeah. And I think that what we just kind of seen from both teams, I think GBN, um, not that, I don't know, Nutria obviously has not done well against some of the top teams in the state. Um, so I think that's that point there. But I do think that um, what we've seen from the offense, and like you mentioned, the key things that we need to see in high school football, um, I think that there's a good chance that, you know, Nutria is able to kind of keep that momentum going. And I do think that, yeah, this is the right time, like you said, for this to be happening because, um, like, if they were playing a Glenbrook South or a Maine South right now, I don't think that we would be – seeing the same tune right now and those teams are playing against each other this week for probably the CSL South title at this point but um, I do think that um, there's this is a good chance to show progress to show that you've learned what you've been able to do Um, and this is a win that can really you know keep it going and keep things uh, progressing well um, before you know you have a tough schedule moving forward you still I mean you have Niles West on the schedule but you've got Glenbrook South next Friday Two of your next three games after this game are against Glenbrook South and Maine South, both top 25 teams in the state. So if you want to win a game, you need to show progress in this game. And I think that a lot of the Trevians are going to enter that game knowing that this is a game where they really need to take that next step if they want to remain competitive against South or both Glenbrook South and Maine South. Yes. And and, I mean, you're exactly right. And I I wonder if, you know, the (laughs) The message is out, you know, the story's out on, on Miles Kremiscoli and what he can do on the outside. So Fremd doubled him the whole time. Two guys were dedicated, um, the same two guys the whole game, um, to Miles. And he scored on a long punt fake return uh, for a touchdown, but uh, he was he only had a few catches on the offensive end. So um, are they going to do that? And if so, how does Nutria move the ball? Can their running game get going? Can their other receivers like Ben Prouty get some touches and make and, and create some some uh, action there? Um, what else can they do? Uh, Patrick Hennigan running the football has been more in play the past two weeks. I look for those things to grow too, so they're not so heavy 
uh, reliant on a big play from Miles to win the game. Like they absolutely need it or they won't win. Can they show that they can score and win in other ways? I think we might see some of that because I think Glenbrook North might uh, uh, might uh, key on, on Miles. All right, we'll get a prediction from you in that game uh, later on here in the fourth quarter, but let's move on now to Highland Park at Deerfield where um, Joe, I feel like this matchup is kind of different from what we predicted at the beginning of the season. I feel like at the beginning of the season, we thought, yeah, I don't know about this one. This one might be tough, um, too. I think that, um, there's a good chance Highland Park can make this competitive and not honestly win this game just based on what we've seen from Deerfield, um, so far in their two and three start. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. Um, obviously it's, it's an intra-district rivalry. Uh, so, you know, Highland Park will travel right up the road, but Deerfield gets the home field. Um, but you can expect a ton of Highland Park people in the stands. Uh, these are two communities that really respect each other, but also on the field, it's a great rivalry. Um, we're going to see some some pretty intense football. It's going to be fun. Um, but uh, I don't, man, I'm kind of at a loss of what to do here. I think uh, we, we've seen a lot of playmakers um, come out, uh, have a coming out party for, for Highland Park this year. And this is going to be their biggest test. Can they show up in a, the biggest game of the year so far? Uh, we're going to find out. It's going to be a great one. Yeah, the Warriors lost to GBN 23 to 13, lost to Hersey 42 to nothing, lost to Buffalo Grove 23 to 13. Um, and they then beat Vernon Hills to uh, start off conference last week 24 to 21, a close matchup there as well. Um, so I just think it's a different Deerfield team than what we've seen in the past. And um, I think that we've seen that. Um, offense is going to be dynamic in this one where you need to make sure you can score against this Warriors team because um, it seems like the defense will let you score. I mean, they're letting up 12 points, 23 points, 42 points, 23 points, and 21 points. So I think it would be really important for the offense, once again, like we talked about in the first quarter, to take the most of their opportunities. If the defense is able to give you a turnover, you got to use it. And if not, then you really need to respond whether the defense lets up a touchdown or a field goal and um, you need a score. So I think that it, the emphasis is going to be kind of placed on the offense in this game where you need to be able to score to win in this game because Deerfield has shown that it uh, it's not afraid to let up points. Yeah, I think turnovers are key. I think uh, Highland Park has proven it can create turnovers against the best teams. It created, you know, it had a 90-yard return against Hersey. It had a return touchdown uh, interception against Buffalo Grove. Both big losses, but they prove they can turn the ball over. They have a lot of athleticism on both sides of the ball, but that it really is in play in the defensive secondary and even the linebackers. A lot of athleticism. Uh, so I think they can turn over Deerfield, but they have to limit and you know, hopefully eliminate turnovers on the offensive end, like you said, move the ball and score the football and take care of it. Because uh, if you turn the ball over, this turns into Deerfield advantage real quick with the home field. So take care of that football. Uh, and I think Deer, I think Highland Park can score if they do that. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun matchup. I think honestly, I mean, based on what we see from Highland Park the rest of the way here, they've got Maine West. Um, whoops, I'm looking at the Deerfield schedule. Well, they've also still have, um, you know, other conference opponents to play. They'll have finished off this regular season, if I remember correctly, um, against Maine West. But um, they play Maine East after Deerfield. Then they have Vernon Hills at Maine West. Um, I don't know. If you win that Deerfield game, you have the potential to go 3-0. and You might go undefeated in conference if they play the way that they can play, Joe. And I think um, it should be really interesting to see what they're going to because if we see our uh, control this game, um, I would not be afraid to say that this team can go undefeated in conference and easily win um, 
playoff qualification here and even honestly earn a home game for your playoffs? It, you know, it's in front of them. You know, it's, it's laid out for them, and I know they see it. Um, these are guys that are hungry for the playoff, including the coach after a couple of years. And, you know, even throwing in what they've been through this year, they, they want to do something special. I just – let's not look ahead. And I don't think they will with Deerfield on the calendar. This is, you know, this is their rivalry. This is, this is huge. It's going to be a big night. Um, maybe after that, we can talk about if there's trap games, but let's, let's have a great football game and let's put ourselves in a position to win it. I don't think it's going to be a blowout either way, um, but let's put ourselves in a wishing, position to win this football game and, and see if we can do it. Should be a really fun way to uh, watch. We'll get prediction gear going forward. All right, Loyola at Marist on Friday. Um, and I think, I think Friday will probably be Loyola's biggest test of the season before playing Mount Carmel in week nine. I think St. Rita is a good team. They're obviously a top 25 team. I think brother Rice is growing. I think St. Xavier, um, was good. Um, but I think Marist has shown, um, Marist is three and two It lost to Glenbard West by two points, um, after falling down 21, nothing early. And Maris got blown up by Mount Carmel, but what team has not gotten blown up by Mount Carmel so far this season? Um, but I've watched Maris play a few times now. Maris has um, a running attack that is going to do some work. Dermot Smythe, or yeah, Smythe has uh, as quarterback for them is not afraid to throw the ball, um, and I think he's become more comfortable as the season has kind of progressed here. Um, and the defense for Maris uh, pitched another shutout um, this past weekend. They've got Jamel Howard um, as a defensive lineman. He's going to Wisconsin. They've got John Nestor at safety, who's going to be playing at Iowa. So they've got Division One talent, like Loyola's got Division One talent. And I'm really interested to see how Loyola kind of faces this test, faces off against a strong defense, and how it's able to limit um, what Maris is able to do offensively. Does Loyola look at the Glenbard West game and the Mount Carmel game and say, hey, we're going to, I mean, we're going to run our defense that we run all the time, but I would not be surprised if they just look at the tape and they're like, Mount Carmel really focused in on this. Mount Carmel took away the passing game and that really limited what Maris was able to do in the running game. Loyola can do that. Loyola can take away the passing game with the secondary and Brooks Park can apply pressure. And I would not be surprised at all if they're able to follow that script. So, I think this is a really interesting thing test for Loyola where I think you're finally going to see a team that, you know, you're get, matching up with talent one-to-one -one here. And I think you're going to see a kind of a coaching battle here determine what uh, Loyola and Maris are able to do on Friday. Yeah. Um, you know, but, you know, at this, at this, the tech, the tech age, both, both coaching staffs uh, have all the tape necessary and, and can do all the things with X's and O's. Uh, on video to figure out a good scheme and I'm not worried about both teams bringing forth a, a strategy that puts them in themselves in, in what they believe is the best position. Um, so I think both teams are going to be ready. I think Maris knows uh, not used to getting blown out and they got blown out by Mount Carmel. They don't want that to happen again. Um, but Loyola has proven that, you know, they've gotten into some slugfest with Maris in the past couple of years and they've just flat out outscored them. Um, and I think that's that's what we might be leaning towards here. Um, I think that uh, Loyola's offense has really proven um, no matter what you put on the defense side of the ball, they have the weapons and they have the schemes to, to put you at a disadvantage and really do what they want. Now, uh, they've been able to limit turnovers. They've had a couple um, that have led to scores, but mostly they've, they've been fine in that category. And 
they take care of the football and I just don't, I, you know, I haven't seen anything that shows Maris can put up a, uh, a formidable, um, close score. I, I think maybe they can do some things and, and be proud of their effort, but Loyola, like we said, Loyola and Montgomery have proven themselves literally just a, a full level ahead of the talent in the state. Now I, um, Maybe I'm underestimating Marist. I, you've seen him more than I have, so you have more insight there. Um, I've only seen clips, but I believe that uh, Loyola is in a great position here to, to do it again and, and kind of win by a two to three score margin uh, safely. I think the biggest matchup for me is going to be Jake Sterney versus that Marist secondary. I, I watched Blaney Dowling from Mount Carmel just destroy Marist secondary, finding open players um, and putting up a big score against them. And then when I was talking to Maris coach Ron Dobchik after that, and since then, he talked about how they missed communications and blown plays and that kind of stuff. And I would not be surprised if Loyola's offense and Jake Sterney want to exploit that once again and see whether Maris learned from its past mistakes and um, can really cover the secondary. Because like we've talked about before, we got Declan Ford out there. Uh, we got uh, Spencer out there. We've got two tight ends that I don't, I think that Loyola has used so far, but I don't think Loyola has used it um, use them as much as we kind of expected them to use both of their tight ends right now. And I would not be surprised that, yeah, sure, uh, if Nestor and the secondary is able to take away Declan Ford or they're able to take away Spencer, I would not be surprised if Cerny goes to his tight ends and is like, hey, you're going to be open. You're going to be getting a lot of different stuff in the slot. I'm going to hit you up and we're going to get eight or nine, 10 points um, on every catch. So I think that's going to be a really interesting. I'm just watching what Sterney is able to do against that secondary. Sterney's been um, really strong so far in his passing game, um, and I think that'll be really interesting to see what he's able to do um, against uh, a, a relatively strong Maris secondary. Yeah, with their tight ends, you know, we talked about Jack Parker a lot and uh, Jack Fitzgerald both going Division One. They even got PJ Hayes, who, who's a great catcher of the football as well, uh, and. So, I mean, that's three tight ends. They play the, the two very regularly, uh, but we get excited. And I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm a culprit of this as well. Um, ooh, big tight ends, you know, weapons in the middle of the field. We got to remember that these guys are partly going division one because of their blocking capabilities and their size on the line um, right. and the, the offensive line of, and block, including the tight ends of uh, loyal has been really special this year. And uh and just the way they've been able to, to pick up yards and protect Sterney, pick up yards in the run game and protect Sterney to, to have a clean pocket has been really exceptional and a big reason for this success. So they like to, you know, put, put forth that great block with their tight ends and then slip Jack Parker out for either, you know, maybe he's in the slot and he comes across the middle or maybe he's just off for a dump pass in the flat. And they get big yards out of those plays um, because people don't see it coming because they do a lot of the, uh, the blocking. So, um, those weapons are always there. And I feel like they're in a tight spot. You're right. They'll look, they'll look to Parker, they'll look to Fitzgerald, but um, I think they, they're going to exploit them on a number of fronts and they can adjust if not. And that's the dangers of Loyola's offense. I think we're, we'll, we'll talk about this more next week as well, but I think Loyola is entering an interesting stretch here where they're going to travel down to Marist and then they travel down to Providence um, and knowing what that, that drive is like in rush hour traffic, especially <laughs> on Friday, getting over to, I mean, getting over to Marist is one thing, but getting all the way over to Lennox um, to play Providence in that traffic, I'm interested to see how much that plays a factor. I know that we like to, these are high school kids. I mean, they're not professionals. They're not traveling in charter flights and 
bus escorts and all that kind of stuff. They're stuck in on the Dan Ryan, and they're probably going to be on at least an hour and a half just trying to get through rush hour traffic on Friday. And I always think that that's an interesting component to look at as well, just having to travel all the way down as opposed to when teams have to come out to Loyola, at least they can go out Saturday morning and they don't really have to deal with much traffic. Well, you know, if we're talking Chicago, they'll probably take the Eisenhower down to uh, <laughs> Veterans Memorial. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good factor to look into. New, you know, New Lenox is um, it's going to be a Friday night. That's at least an hour um, from, from Wilmette. And that's if you get kind of nicer traffic. Maybe they leave earlier to avoid it and they – hang out at our many fine establishments in my hometown of proud Americans down in New Lenox. But um, <laughs> it's going to be, uh, it'll be interesting. You know, we're just, like I said, we're just looking for factors and, and what they're going to have to deal with because they want to be at their strongest going in the postseason, which begins, we've talked about with Mount Carmel, that is postseason game for all intents and purposes. So um, yeah, that's interesting. To look at their schedule ahead and, and Marist on the South side, maybe that place is their advantage. It's got to be something. All right, let's get some predictions out of this. Uh, Joe Nutrier at GBN. What happens here? Uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling the Trevs. I'm thinking Trevs. Uh, I like the way they're they're growing. Um, now they got to go on the road. Not easy. And I feel like GBN, both GBs uh, always put together big lines. So um, it might be difficult for their Nutrier's running game, but I have faith in, in some things Hennigan can do. Um, as he's grown into the position. So I like the Trevs. I like them to keep the momentum going, pick up their third straight win here, move to three and three. Um, I will say we get, it's low scoring again. Um, I'll say they get to 20 though. Um, I'll say uh, 20 to 14. I think New Jersey is going to win this football game. I think it's, uh, they have the momentum right now. And um, I think it's going to be low scoring. I think New Jersey wins 14 to 10. Um, I think the defense holds on again, like it, like it did against Evanston and um, Trevians are kind of rolling here with three straight wins after taking down GBN on Friday. Highland Park at Deerfield, Joe, what do you see happening there? This is the toughest one of the week for me. I think they're, I think Deerfield might still have an advantage here a little bit, especially playing at home. Um, but I just really like the giants and I think they might get some, some big plays out of guys like uh, Dave Blummer, uh, maybe even, um, uh, the quarterback, Dave Finfer, breaks free on a run or something like that. And they get some turnovers when they need them. So I I think we're going to see an upset here in Deerfield. Highland Park just feeling good, doing special things this year. Uh, they pick up the upset with a 28-27 to 27 victory. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll see a 21-17 to 17 win for Highland Park. I think that Highland Park is just able to um, – I think it's a down year for or for Deerfield, and I think that it's an up year for Highland Park, and I think Highland Park is showing that it has capabilities to do what it wants to do offensively and defensively. It just needs to do it, and I think they'll be able to do uh, do it against the Warriors and pick up a big um, CSL North win that kind of sets them up for a really nice um, finish uh, at the end of the regular season, and you heard it here first into the postseason. But um, let's preview uh, Loyola at Maris, what do you see happening here on Friday on the south side, Joe? Um, to keep it brief, more of the same. Um, I just think they're, they're too well-rounded here and they're too balanced to uh, really surprise or upset by a team um, that, they're, uh, that, they're, that they're superior to. So um, more of the same, maybe not as high scoring as, as a couple of the ones we've seen. Um, I'm going to say... Uh, 34 to seven. Yeah, I've got Loyola. I think 
I feel like we should add another projection to this as well. I think this is the first game Loyola plays a full game. I think the starters will finally play a complete game here. But I do think that Loyola will win um, somewhere around 45 to 17, 45 to 10. I'll go with 45 to 17. I think that Maris is able to do some things late offensively, but I think the Ramblers continue to follow their game plan as they do every single week, get out to a big lead, maybe get some guys out when you can, and the, the opponent scores later on. So I think I got a 45 to 17 win for Loyola. Loyola moves on to a 6 and 0. So it should be a lot of fun. Make sure you're keeping up with me and Joe. Um, for all the latest football happening this weekend, make sure you um, subscribe to the podcast anywhere the podcasts are available. Check out older episodes as well. We've got great stuff over there. Great interviews, great insight from players and coaches. So make sure you check out that. And if we're not where you listen to podcasts, let us know. We'd like to be there and uh, we can add the varsity to uh, that lineup. But for Joe and I, thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to check out the Friday Night Drive and the Record North Shore for all your needs. And we will talk to you guys down the road. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the Record North Shore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.